0: with the right hand now they get together and Leibold continues to rack up the majors here now Leibold with the right hand puts her down and he's going to dump him hard to the ice Brady Leibold just loves to fight ladies and
1: gentlemen welcome. I played major junior in professional hockey throughout my teenage years on the outside everything looked perfect
0: When you're hot, you're hot. Brady Bold with his
1: fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey. That worked for a while. Until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Oh, you Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean and fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew Wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Lerzynski, Mitch Fatten, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back. Episode number 16, special episode Sunday night. Hope you guys all had an awesome weekend. I've been on the outdoor rink. I didn't have that luxury growing up. How many of you guys did? Not me. Holy shit, I'm in heaven. Um, It's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I feel extremely um, privileged, grateful uh, to be back on my skates and having the support from All of you guys watching, if you're watching live, if you're listening at a later date, either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, driving to work, at work. Thank you, guys. Keep the comments coming in. Keep the messages coming in. I got all sorts of time for you people out there. All of you guys. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, A lot of people message me. Before I get into it, they message me and they're like, hey, sorry to bother you. um, But I just want, I'm like, stop that right now. You're not bothering me one bit. I'm not special by any means. Uh, I'm just a guy uh, that played hockey, went through some shit, and I'm trying to show everybody that it doesn't matter how far down you go, you can always pull yourself out of hell. But you can't do it alone. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I'm excited about this episode, guys. This is the first Vancouver Canuck alumni I've had on the show. I've had some big names on, but no Canucks. This is exciting for me. Obviously, I grew up in Vancouver. You guys know Porcoquillam, the whole story. I don't need to get into it. It's exciting. Um, before I do, though, you guys know that this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out, Teamissue.ca promo code TOEDRAG, 15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Check it out. I got the crew neck on right now, black on black. I got the maroon team issued hat rocking. I say it all the time, but you guys know that's WHL alumni, my former teammate Kelowna Rocket, Jesse Paradise. Thank you to Jesse. When I got out of jail, guys, I had no clothes. I had nothing. Started the podcast, he was my second guest. Now my whole wardrobe is either puck support swag or team issued, that's it. And hey, guess what? I'm fine with that. Uh, I love it, it's a great brand. Um, Thank you, Jesse. Hello, always to you out in Manitoba. Um, Quickly though, before we get rocking here, guys, I gotta give a special shout out, of course, to Susan Cook. Everybody in the household, Jason, Ang, what's going on? I know you guys are listening upstairs. Thanks for putting up with me on a daily basis here. Um, it's, uh, it's, I, I have no words for it. It's, uh, it's been extremely nice. Uh, I feel better than ever. The only thing that uh, I'm striving for right now is getting Taylor and the kids into a place and uh, I know that's going to come in due time. So guys, thank you for all your support. I have people uh, out West house searching out here in Muskoka for me, sending me ads for houses and stuff. Um, Thank you, seriously, because um, it's a grind right now. I'm not going to lie. And that is why I'm so excited for this episode. That is why I'm so excited for this episode, because you're going to hear it in the intro. Um, I talk about it a little bit. I also want to say thank you to Sandra Murray and Mallory Clark, who they've rescued me and puck support along with Susan cook, but uh, they've uh, they've both been working extremely hard behind the scenes, especially Mallory. Sandra has been with me for a long time and she's been like Brady. What the hell's when are we, uh, when are we going to get this thing rocking? Well, guess what? Mallory came on board and she's killing it. Um, Hello to William Mallory chase and the rest of the kids down there in Phoenix um not phoenix it's actually surprise arizona but i just say phoenix like i say vancouver instead of Port Coquitlam. so thank you all your hard work is greatly appreciated not only by me but by the entire hockey community because we are going to change lives there's the new logo guys i know it's small in the middle of the screen but that's the official branding there's a the new puck support logo i'm gonna bring up the puck support warrior logo later and I'm gonna talk a little bit more Um, but without further ado guys let's get right into episode 16 uh, with Dave Scatcherd. I'm going to uh, you guys know how this works you guys watch you guys know how this goes Uh, I'll be back in about five minutes with Dave Scatcherd. guys enjoy this intro a little backstory uh, into the episode as always but seriously thank you for joining me if you're watching live I uh, am one grateful human human being today. So thank you, guys. Um, I truly appreciate it. Enjoy this. We'll see you in a few minutes. Just recently, I made a video on TikTok, not my forte, but the post has sort of gone viral in the last 24 hours. It's received 75,000 views. In that short video, it opens with a goal I scored while playing with the Victoria Salmon Kings. After I score that goal in the video, though, it cuts into what my life was like through addiction, homelessness, and yes, even jail. The end of the video has a clip of me skating around on the outdoor rink up here in Gravenhurst where I've spent a lot of time lately. There was times when I was homeless, sitting in jail, and obviously severely addicted that I just sort of accepted that I was never going to put my skates on again. And that i would have nothing to do with hockey or the hockey community i'm coming up to one year clean next month and i'm a little bit nervous but i'm excited i've never made it this far before i'm doing well but i'm still not really okay i struggle every single day just like most people the only difference is when i tell people i'm struggling they automatically assume that i relapsed i'm here to tell you that i haven't but when you get rid of substances in your life, that doesn't mean that everything's just going to be fixed automatically. It's been a crazy year. I've met so many amazing people from former NHLers to people that just listen to the show and constantly offer me support, which I am eternally grateful for. As good as this last year has been, it's still a struggle every day, like I said, and I'm looking for answers. I think everybody is. I've recorded close to 80 podcasts, but today is the first time I've had a Vancouver Canuck on. Today's a really special day for me. Not only do I get to interview a former Vancouver Canuck, somebody who I had his prospect card, his rookie card, and remember watching live while I was sitting there with my dad in the seventh row behind either Archer's Herbay or Kirk McLean. Side note, I had a big giant stuffed bunny that I called Herbay Bunny. He was the goalie that I shot against in mini hockey when I had no friends over. Dave Scatchard was drafted by the Vancouver Canucks and had a lengthy NHL career, but I'm actually more excited to talk to him today about the Dave Scatchard Peak Performance Program that he has established and that he's utilizing to not only help himself but to help so many others, and I know it's going to help me as well. Originally from Hinton, Alberta, but growing up in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, Dave Scatchard broke into the Western Hockey League with the Portland Winter Hawks and was drafted in the 2nd round by the Vancouver Canucks in the 1994 NHL Entry Draft, 42nd overall. Like I said, I can still see the card that I had of him after he was drafted. Scatcherd played 11 seasons in the National Hockey League, compiling 659 games, 128 goals, 141 assists for 269 points. Scatcherd quickly established himself as a reliable two-way forward in the NHL. The Canucks traded Scatcherd in 1999 to the New York Islanders, where he spent four and a half seasons recording two career-high 45-point campaigns in 2000-2001 and 2002-2003, respectively. Following the 2004-2005 NHL lockout, Scatchard signed with the Boston Bruins. And after 16 games, he was traded to the Phoenix Coyotes. This is where I find the first record of a recorded concussion, and that's what we're going to talk a lot about today. The emotional battle that comes with being an NHL hockey player, especially sideline with a concussion, can be extremely difficult to deal with. In many cases, we've actually lost some former players, like Todd Ewan, Rick Rippon, Wade Belak, Steve Montador, and Mark Potvin, just to name a few. There are several others that didn't make it to the NHL that I'm leaving off this list. But it is my personal mission to remember each and every single hockey player man, woman, boy or girl that we've ever lost to things like suicide and addiction and that's where puck support comes in. After battling five concussions, Dave Scatchard retired in 2011. The transition out of the game of hockey is one of the hardest things a hockey player will ever have to deal with and I'm curious as to how Dave handled it in the early years. I've been following Dave for a little while now and his Dave Gatchard peak performance and it's really got my attention and it's got the attention of a lot of other people as well and for good reason. I won't sit here and try to butcher it because he's the guy. I'm extremely excited to bring you guys this special episode on a Sunday night, the night before he launches a challenge that you're all invited to take part in where you can become the best version of yourself. So without further ado guys, let's bring him in somebody that i looked up to as a kid i used to watch him in warm-up alongside my idol pavel beret all right guys who's ready to get inspired let's do it episode 16 featuring dave scatchard scatch what's going on buddy
0: awesome buddy i gotta get you to do all my intros that was nice <laughs>
1: Hey man, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I don't know why it says episode 15 on that picture. I uploaded the wrong one, but Hey, it's episode 16. It doesn't matter. The conversation we're about to have is what really matters. And, um, you know, I, we've never spoke uh, except for the, the, what, the 10 seconds before we went live. And uh, But I hey, we're both hockey guys, and, and we both, it sounds like we've both been through the ringer, maybe at different spectrums, but um, lots to talk about today, Sketch. But um, before we get into it, I just want to get this out of the way. What kind of guy was Pavel Beret? Honestly, did you get uh, a lot
0: of was Yeah, no, Pavel was, uh, Pavel was always amazingly nice to me. Um, he took me under his wing when I first came in. Uh, you know, was he the most social guy or go to hang out with all his teammates? Not really. Um, He was kind of a loner. He kind of hung out with uh, Gino a lot. Yeah. Um, He liked the young guys for some reason. He always liked hanging out with the young guys. But uh, he wasn't really, like, a super, like, team guy where it's like, hey, let's bring 25 guys out together. Like, Messi, yeah. Messi was like that. Paolo yeah. was kind of like, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'll catch up yeah. with you guys in a bit yeah so you know that's just honesty and yeah i have nothing but you know pavel is nothing but kind to me one of the best players i ever saw in my life um but uh yeah i mean that's just the truth yeah
1: i had to hey i had to get that out of the way because i was like a serious pavel beret friend and i just you know i just want to get that out of the way so but i'm more excited to talk to you and I I showed you, I I actually showed you earlier and I'm going to bring it up right now. So you guys heard in the intro, I actually had this card. Like I remember looking through my hockey cards under my bed every like single day when I was little. That's what I used to do, go through them. And that one is one of the ones that just sticks out in my mind. And I think it's because you know, at that age, when you got drafted by the Canucks there, I was just sort of starting to like realize, you know, oh, you got to get drafted. You got to do this. And you were one of the top prospects for my favorite team. So I feel very fortunate and lucky to have you on the show, man. I could still picture you at number 20 playing for the Canucks like, like yesterday. So, um, that, that jersey's jersey's
0: uh, right there. There that's it the, is, man. Thanks
1: for showing that. That's too cool. Um, Before we get dive into uh, what you're doing now, and I I want that to be the brunt of the interview because we could talk hockey for days and days and stories about hockey and and all of that. But uh, my podcast is more, more about, you know, sharing the, you know, the strength and hope of uh, people's stories, whether it be hockey players, coaches or whatever. And obviously you've uh, you've come out and, and, Really kind of opened up about your journey and your inspiring others. So, before we get into that, I want to talk to you about your experience in the Western Hockey League. What was that like for you? Because I'm a dub guy too. I played in Swift Current Colona Kelowna. Um, and I thought it was, I'll be honest with you, I'll just say this I thought it was awesome when I was playing there, but I didn't really like, I don't know, I just never trained. I, I just, I was so mentally ill and stuff with everything that I'd gone through. But looking back and, and sharing stories over the past few days, I realized that I was actually treated pretty poorly by the veterans as a rookie. And I don't want to get into that. That's not about this, but I just want I'm curious as to what your experience like was playing in this uh, historic Portland Winterhawk organization. Cause um, I mean, it doesn't like, that's one of the most storied franchises in the dub.
0: It's so funny. Cause like, you know, when your first uh, wishes don't come true, sometimes there's a reason for it. So for some reason, my dad, <clears throat> um thought that the Medicine Hat Tigers would be a great place for me to play and like I literally had no idea about junior hockey. I watched a Kamloops Blazers uh cuz I was in Salmon Arm so I'd go watch the Blazers play and they were an p- amazing team. But um for some reason I thought that I wanted to go to Medicine Hat. So I started to go to all these camps and I have like tons of camp stories. I've actually just wrote wrote a book. It's completed. It should be coming out in a couple months. So that's going to be really cool. And I'm telling all these stories but um as far as Portland goes, I remember I was at, um, medicine hats camp and I thought I had a chance to get listed back then. They didn't have the draft. So they liked you, they'd list you and then they would have protect you. So they could only protect so many people.
1: That's, that's yeah. why I didn't get drafted either. That's how I'm broke into the dub too. Same way. And same sort of story, but I'll save that for another time. Keep going, bud. Okay,
0: so, Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm going and I, and I'm saying, um, wow. Uh, you know, I had a great camp and they're not really inviting me. They're not promising me that they're going to invite me to main camp. And I had been invited by the Winterhawks to go to Sherwood Park, Alberta. And I was in Medicine Hat, Alberta. And I think it's like an eight hour drive or something like that and it, through the prairies. And my dad went in there and said, hey, are you guys going to list Dave or bring him to main camp? And they're kind of like humming and ha stuff. He goes, OK, see you later. We're going to go to Portland. And I drove to Portland. And the crazy this is the craziest thing. So we get in the car. And we had a Caprice classic car, one of those long boats and hockey gear in the back. And my dad had just been exhausted. He worked. We went drove all the way to Medicine Hat from Salmon Arm, which is a long drive. And then he like, uh, you know, we had two days of training and, or, or, you know, mini camp or whatever. And then uh, whatever, for whatever reason, it was late at night. It was like 11 o'clock at night and we're driving. And he goes, I can't keep my eyes open. He goes, you got to drive. And I was 14. I didn't have uh, learners. I didn't have anything. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know how to drive. And he's like, just aim your car down the middle of these prairie roads and just keep the yellow line in the middle of the car. So we had lots of buffer on each side. And I'm like, Dad, are you serious? Like, I don't know how to drive. I was so freaking terrified. He goes, just start slow and then speed up. And I kind of thought he was messing with me. I kind of thought he'd reach over and correct me when I like almost go in the ditch. No, he was out cold. He just couldn't keep his eyes open. My dad grew up on the farm, so he thought everybody should be able to do this stuff, (laughs) I remember just like praying, like, please don't get me in an accident, let me get to uh, Sherwood Park, blah, blah, blah. So we drive through the night, we get in middle of the night, I can't remember, I remember we spent many nights in our vehicle sleeping, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I think for this night we we had a cheap hotel and um, I show up at camp the next day and I walk in and there's Brad Symes, who's just a big, tough guy, hairy chest. 16 years old, or the same age as me, actually, like 14 years old, but he looked like a man. And then Jason Weimer, who was this huge prospect that everybody was talking about, he had hair on his, like I was like a kid. I was like a chicken, like just a hairless chicken. And I'm walking in, I'm like, what am I doing with these guys? And for whatever reason, I must've done something pretty well because I got listed by them. And I still didn't know about the Portland Winterhawks. I didn't know how beautiful their stadium was. I didn't know it was a big city. I really didn't know very much, but I knew that I wanted to play and I wanted to make it. I could have got a scholarship. Uh, teams were talking to me about scholarships uh, um, to go and uh, Portland offered me a really nice deal where um, if I didn't make it in pro, they'd give me like quite a bit of money. Like it was like 12,000 or $14,000 per year that I played with them towards my schooling later, American dollars. So that's, yeah. that's decent money. And it wasn't like, I think Jason Weimer had like $25,000 a year in his thing. So like, that was a nice security blanket, and I, I knew I could always go back and get my school. And My dad was a, originally a teacher, and then worked in the coal mines, so he valued education a lot. Of but yeah, we ended up going to Portland, and I mean, the first year I, I barely made the team. Uh, crazy story about that. And then um, the second year, uh, I was—I think I was captain of the team or something like that. So I ended up being captain of that same team that I was just barely made. And uh, I truly let believe. In- ask,
1: let me ask you, did Dave? What do you think? What do you think was the difference? You you barely make it. What what was a big change that year for you? Was uh, did you were you always a natural born leader? What was the big? What made the coach give you the cheds?
0: Yeah, I was always the captain, but my dad was always the coach. But I was also the, always the hardest working guy. Yeah. Like it, I wasn't blessed with a lot of natural skill. I think I had great athleticism. I was born with where I could be a good athlete, but I didn't really have a great skill level. And I that came later. And, uh, you know, I think that my work ethic and never-say-die attitude was probably the reason why they made me the captain and that I would do anything to protect my teammates. And um, I didn't even know how to fight. And the only way I could get in the lineup was to, like, play physical. So I kind of, like, started to learn how to fight. And that was kind of the whole story of my career. I was a huge goal scorer when I was young. A lot of goals and then as I started to move up the ranks, they all everybody had awesome goal scores from all over the world. So I had to kind of figure out how to be good at face-offs and penalty killer and hitting and fighting just to give myself a chance to make those teams. So was
1: that, hey, was that hard for you to because I talk about this as something that I just started to realize in the last maybe eight to nine months, not that like, and really think about it because for me, I always focused on points, right? Like goals, assists, we could, we could win. And I could have played great, killed all the penalties, did whatever. But if I don't have an assist or a goal, I think I played shitty. I'm like, uh, what a wasted, like, uh, blah, you know? And then, so same thing as I moved up the ranks and stuff, like, I was never able to reship my focus and be like, okay, well, like I fought a lot, but that was just because I was an angry guy and I just stuck up for my teammates. It wasn't because I was trying to, to, you know, prove to the coach or anything. It was just natural instinct, but yeah. I was never able to, you know, be like, okay, I'm not going to be a Pavel Bure, Alex Ovechkin, goal scorer, first line, second line guy at the next level. Um, maybe I should. Learn to block shots, be a better penalty killer, work on my uh, work on the walls. Like it's the little things, the little intangibles that make guys um, either make it, or not make it. And I've seen a lot of guys get drafted in the first round like early first round, they might play like 5 or 6 games in the NHL. And that's the same reason is because they were that goal-scoring guy, but when you get to the next level, you're just not quite in that top sex. So good for you that you were able to to recognize that. And man, you had such a great career breaking into the Canucks there. What was that? Like Vancouver's such an amazing city. Did you enjoy your time in Van?
0: yeah man it was probably the, the best way i could have ever started because a lot of my buddies from Sam and arm went down to ubc to do school so like you know they're at ubc i'm playing for the canucks like they're calling for tickets every day i'm going up and hanging out at the pit or whatever the bar is up at ubc and i'm buying 25 cents shots for everybody thinking i'm the king of the world you know yeah. and it was, it was fun because they're my my childhood friends Um, my mom and dad lived in Salmon Arms so they could come down quite often. I had an amazing roommate in Matthias Olin and then Peter Schaefer. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, they were, they were my boys. And, um, you know, some of my best memories of my life. I had no responsibility. I was a single guy. I enjoyed the city. I enjoyed all the amazing people there. I was treated first class. I still am to this day as a third or fourth line plumber there. They still treat me amazing. And, uh, (laughs) A funny story. I was in Stanley Park and I ended up uh, speeding through Stanley Park because I was trying to get my, my kids were arguing in the back and everything. And um, a guy pulled me over and uh, he is looking at my license, this cop. This is like 20 years later or 20, whatever it is, right? Yeah, 97 to like a couple of years ago. So, yeah, 22 years later, I haven't played there. And the guy looks at my license, his Arizona license. He's like, are you the hockey player, Dave Scatcherd?" And you look like him, and I said yeah and he goes listen just slow her down a little bit I'll let you off with a warning and my daughter was in the back seat with her iPad filming it and she thought it was the coolest thing ever because she never really got to see me play or have any of the I like that I like that yeah that's awesome any of the perks that go with it so um yeah thank you to that nice policeman and uh you know it made me feel good in front of my kid for a day that was for sure
1: yeah. That's awesome. Um, Vancouver though. I mean, yeah, you growing up in the interior there, what a dream, man, getting to play in van and what must, yeah. be, cool, must be so cool to play in front of your friends before I move on. I got to go back to where you that's
0: said. Not, yeah. I want to, I want to share a little bit. I want to add a little bit to that because you know, here's the deal about the adaptability piece, right. Um, is, uh, Lonnie Bohannis had just scored like 60 goals in the minors. Right. And yeah. he was a superstar. We had tons of goal scores. We had Larry Corville who they were courting and uh, like all these guys are really talented and I was up and coming and I could bang and I could crash. But I remember going to uh, a scout called Ron, Ronnie DeLorme and I said, yep. Ron, yeah, he was a huge fan of mine. I think he helped me uh, them pick me and he's a Western league scout, I believe. And he said, Hey, sketch. Uh, I said, Ronnie, how do I make this team right before camp? And he goes, We've got Pavel Bure, Mark Messier, Trevor Linden, Marty Jelena, um, all these amazing players. He listed off like nine goal scorers. Right. And he goes, we don't need you here to score goals. We need you here to be energy. We need you here to hit. We need you here to protect the guys like Pavel Bure and these guys. You need to. Yeah, there's Ronnie. We need to. We need to. uh you have a chance to seriously make this team if you just destroy everybody that you see and like cause ruckus and get us lots of power plays because we've got these Alexander McGillney and, yep. and all these guys, like, sick yeah,
1: yeah,
0: we should have won something with that team, how good it yeah. was. But, anyways, um, uh, I said, Well, I'll do that. I said, Just like point them out and I'll knock them down. So, <laughs> literally, I remember I had a, I had a Goal in a fight in the first game, a fight in the second game. I almost killed Pavel in the third game. I just smoked him. The next game, I I came out and me and Pavel and Gino were on a line together. And then I had a hat trick during that game. And then I had they had to take me to exhibition season. So I went (laughs) to exhibition season. I'm like, I'm just gonna like destroy everybody. So I think I had one fight, maybe an exhibition against Ian Le Perrier, who was a pretty tough kid. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, I think I ch- chipped in a goal, maybe in a... I, mean, I can't really remember. Um, why, yeah. why, Dave? Why can't you remember so well? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and then the next thing you know, I was on a plane to Japan because our first game was in Japan uh, forever in the NHL across overseas. I forgot about that. I remember that. That's too cool. Yeah, and that was in a over uh, – they built a rink over a swimming pool in Japan. And we were at the Yoyogi Arena, and there was a high diving board behind <laughs> one of the nets. There was a swimming uh, arena. And uh, the fans cheered for both teams. They didn't know who was who, and they just loved, like, the physical play. And I remember jumping out onto the uh, – well, first of all, it's was a healthy scratch first game. And I'm, like, borderline on the team. I'm not really on the team yet We're allowed to take a couple extra guys. So I hadn't really made the team. And call it luck or coincidence or God or whatever. But I remember Mike Sillinger was screwing around after practice and Archie Herbe's skate uh, clipped the back of his leg and slit his calf or something. And his calf split open so he couldn't play. So then they had to use me. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're like, sketch, you're going. And I remember sitting on the bench, okay, like the national anthem's going and my heart's just beating. I'm looking around, and I'd always visualize myself in, like, <laughs> a, a arena that I knew, not some yeah. Japanese arena. Yeah. I remember I bought my mom and dad a big screen TV because I said, if I ever make it, I'm going to fly you into the game. But <laughs> I couldn't fly them to Japan, so I got them a big screen. So my mom's, like, taking pictures of the big screen like she's at the game. You know, pretty cute. That's awesome. And, and uh, I jump onto the ice, and I just remember we are playing Anaheim Ducks. And the defense was number four, I remember, and I was just skating. And I, was, I was skating and laughing at the same time, and I'm like, nobody can take this away from me now, motherfuckers! Like, I played a game, you know? I'm in the show, so awesome, yeah. It was, and I, I think I played uh 78 uh, that season, or, or like quite a few. I didn't, I wasn't really a healthy. Scratch after that, I went through Mike Keenan, who's an animal. Oh my god! And he was so hard on me, but uh I think he secretly loved me, and he kind of let me stay and didn't send me down and yeah, that's crazy to remember back to those times.
1: I want to ask you something about Peter Schaefer. So Peter Schaefer was one of my favorite players on the Canucks because I saw his curve. Okay, so yeah, he had a twist curve. My dad would he went out and bought me must you must have bought me I swear like thirty or forty Paul Korea. I never forget it. But they were dead straight blades because I liked to go out there and try to get the Peter Schaefer curve. So like Adam Peewee, I had like a blade that was like. Probably like totally like warped, like just twisted, and just trying to be like Peter Shaver. But that I'd never seen a curve like that in my life. Uh, I don't know how, but it worked, I guess, for him and it worked for me for a bit there.
0: Let me let me tell you a story. So, here's my roommate, he'd bring sticks home and he'd heat them over his oven. Like, he he tried to make those curves, and at the the time, the sticks were wood, they weren't really uh, graphite yet. And he'd just get it just about right. And then sometimes it would just crack. And he'd be like, Yeah, oh. yeah. same it was, thing. Same it was so hard to get it perfect. And he'd finally get one. And then he'd break it in a game. And it would look like he was going to cry. <laughs> like, we, he worked so hard on his sticks. And I remember when he finally got his first pattern. I think he was with Ottawa or something. And he's like, "Oh man, this is so much better than the hours I used to spend on my sticks."
1: That's too no. crazy, man. That's awesome. See, like you know what I mean? Like for me to hear that kind of stuff, like it's just too cool. Because I used, to, I swear to God, I was trying to mimic him, and I was dealing with the same shit, the same thing. I must have broke so many of those blades, but they were cheap, anyways. My dad got a good deal on them, but. I want to talk about, uh, you talk a lot about concussions, obviously, you know, I've had a lot of concussions too, like a lot, Um, some hockey related, some fighting and jail related, some homeless. I got hit with a bat related, true story. Um, But regardless, uh, trauma to the head uh, is extremely difficult to deal with. And I'm telling you, I deal with um, short-term memory loss. Like my short-term memory is horrible. Like Mm -hmm. just terrible. Um, When did you really suffer your first concussion and, Looking back, I know things have changed and like the hockey mentality, especially back then, was like push, 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 just keep playing. Um, when like did you notice, like, okay, like this is a serious problem, or was it just sort of like, oh, I got my bell rung and keep going? And do you think that like has some effect on you now today and I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing to get through these things because that's really why I wanted to have you on here but let's I want to hear about your first experiences with concussions a little bit how many I think I heard five um but what was the first one and when did you really start to notice a difference because I hear I've heard you talk about things like memory loss too and that kind of stuff yeah
0: yeah um Truthfully, there were a couple of things when I was a kid that probably were my first ones. I remember this one time I was willing to be a maxing and these these bigger kids on my block had this ramp that could jump a car and they'd jump over a car with it. But they didn't want me to go because I was like littler. So they t- told me, Dave, 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 don't go up there. You know, <laughs> It's dangerous. And of course, as soon as they go in for dinner, I ride my bike up to the top of the ramp because I want to see how high it was. And I was pretty good. So I was trying to figure out if I was going to be brave enough to go. And my bike tipped over the front, and I was so skinny that like I just went right with it. And I went oh, right over, on, and I had my hands on the handlebars, and I landed right on the top of my head. No helmet. No helmet. And I remember uh, waking up, I had blood all on the top of my head. My head had split open. And I, and I must have been there for a while, because when I did it, it was like kind of like a little bit before dinner. And it was pitch black when I like came to. And nobody knew. My mom didn't know. And I didn't want them to tell them. Yeah. I'd be in trouble because I wasn't supposed to do that. That was probably like the, the if there's a huge like yeah. first one, that was probably it. The second one, I remember I was like little. I was always playing with kids that were two years older than me because I was like a pretty good player. And I play with kids that were two years older. And I remember I was having a great game. I had like four goals and I'm like, you know, minor hockey. And this monster just came flying around the net and I was trying to wrap around. And I had my head down and he hit me. On my XL7, you remember the XL7 oh, helmet? yeah cap? yeah. And it dented the mask. It broke the mask out of the helmet and smashed it on my nose, my first broken nose I had. And I was like, I was probably like 11 or something. And I remember just black. And then my dad was the coach, and he comes running out. He's like, hey, you okay, kid? And my dad was tough as nails and like farm boy and you don't really say you're hurt. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And he takes me to the bench and I'm so dizzy on the bench. I just keep kind of falling asleep while I'm sitting on the bench. And he's like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, yeah. And I jump out on the ice to go skate and the pounding in my head was so bad that I just turned around and I came off. And like, I never came off the ice. And my dad's just like, hey, something's not right. You know what I mean? And uh, so he pulled me out, but that was like for like a game. I think I played the next game. So like these are when I'm 10 and 11 now, Fast forward to the 12 times I broke my nose. Who knows if there's any in there? The first Ty Domi smoked me really hard in the NHL. That was the first NHL diagnosed one where, like, I was KO and I'm in the dressing room. My eyes are jittering, and they're they're asking me my name, and I know that I know my name, but I can't remember my name. And I start freaking out. I start just bawling. And I know that I know my name, but I can't. I can't f- figure it out. Um, what day it is. I knew nothing. And then that ended my season. Thankfully it was towards the end of the season. I didn't play anymore with the Islanders and then I came back and played some more later. But, um, you know, the last one ended, ended my life, the fifth one. And I had a near death experience. I I wasn't near death. I died. I saw God. That's what's my books about. Really? Really? Uh, I, 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 I was literally in the most beautiful perfection that you could ever imagine in your lifetime, and I had this vision of my kids flinging themselves on my grave uh, as they're lowering it into the ground, and the guy was with the dirt was throwing it and it was hitting my kids, and that's what like stopped me on my tracks. And I'm like, I'm like, can I go back? And the message back to me was, well, you can, but you don't have to. Like, you're home. I'm like, uh, my kids are like three, four, two, and one. Like my wife needs some help. I can't, I can't leave now. Once again, it was like very loving. It was like perfect and beautiful. And it's like, like a dad feeler, like a parent rental, like love. It's like, it's okay. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to go. And I said, I think I want to go back. And before I left, I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sell all my stuff and give it away to charity? Do you want me to like run, do a mission? Like, you know, I never grew up in the church or anything. I don't know any of this stuff. And, um, the message back to me was, I want you to take this love and light that you feel right here. And I want you to share it with the world and I want you to share it with every person that you come across and love them. Like they're your brother or your sister,
1: man, Dave,
0: that's been my mission, uh, ever since, and the, and the funny thing was when I came back, I was in hell for three years. And I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, why would God let me come back and then punish me and hurt me so much that I want to end my life because I was in so much agony and pain. And then later on, after this, you know, I'll fast forward the story, but I had a miracle miracle or two happen like three years later after I was considering suicide. And I said, um, God said, spoke to me and he said, I'm sorry that I had to put you through hell like that. But in order to help the people that you're about to help, you needed to understand how they were going to be feeling when they came to you. You needed to understand desperation. You need to understand anxiety. You needed to understand depression because if you didn't understand it, you can't talk them through it. You can't help them to the other side. So he had to take me from my hockey career where most of the time it was a great upshoot and positivity and everything like that. I couldn't relate to um, depression. I couldn't relate to anxiety because I'd never had it before. Until I lived through it for three years. And I felt like such a burden to the world and to my family because I couldn't communicate. I I couldn't speak properly. I had no memory, zero short-term memory. I was like retarded. And uh, I know that's not politically correct to say. No,
1: no, it's whatever, man. It's, it's, man, it's honestly, Dave, like you're sitting here and you're speaking to me, man. Like I went through, obviously I went through like 10 years of addiction. This isn't about me. People know about my story on listening to my podcast, but I swear, I swear, man, it's like the same. I didn't have the quite the same. Um, well, I guess I can't, man. I overdosed over ten times. Brought back to life by Narcan at least eight times. Two that where I just brought. I swear to God, the one time, same thing with you, man. But what, I don't remember quite that feeling. But I remember almost that breakthrough. And I remember laying on a couch, and I could, I was like. Out of consciousness, but I wasn't. It was so weird. I could think, but I couldn't. I couldn't move my body, but I could feel my heart slowing down, slowing down. And I, because I was using fentanyl, I swear, like you know what I mean. And and my heart was slowing down, slowing down. And there was no. This was pre Narcan days. This is 2013. I remember it specifically. And unfortunately, and I overdosed many times after this, but this one time, I remember I literally. Now that you told that story, Dave, I'm, it's making sense to me now that I, like, I did have a conversation with somebody. It was like, let my heart just go a little bit longer and let me fight through this. And unfortunately it took me another seven, eight, six, seven years to get through it. But the same thing I had to go through hell to understand, because I mean, I don't know how much you know about my story and puck support and what I'm doing with this. What's
0: what's funny was I didn't know your title, like. I thought that title was for me when I saw your title about going through hell. And my book is actually called The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell. So it's it's ironic that, you know, I'm talking to you now and that we've connected. And I remember you you tried to connect to me like a few years, two years ago or a year, like longer ago. And we were trying to connect, but we couldn't before the last couple challenges. But um, you got me this time and we're here and it's for a reason. Yeah,
1: man, 100%. It's not, it's
0: not an accident at all. And this isn't just for your listeners. This is for you too. I'm talking, the field is giving me this information to relay directly to your heart right now because it needs to hear it because that yeah, you have a chance to have impact. And the work you're doing right now is just the beginning. And the things you've been through, as messed up as they were, it's gonna help other people. And you're using it for good now. And when you start to use it for the we instead of the me, which it yeah. worked before, then your whole life starts to clean itself up. And and the universal and organizing intelligence wants to give you the information to get it to more people.
1: Isn't it crazy how it works? It, like, have you been feeling like, uh, like, so when, when did this all start to sort of transpire in your life before we get in? I want to get into a lot about the challenge here and stuff and how people can get involved, how I can get involved selfishly too. Um, because I'm definitely going to do it. Um, but when did that all transpire for you? What year, um, do you remember? Uh, so like immediately after that experience, was that sort of where the changes started to come in and the universe started to, to work in that way for you? Or do you remember when that started to happen? Like how long ago, Dave, have you been on this journey of sort of healing and and feeling? Wow. a little?
0: Well, here's the deal when it happened and I came back, I was in unimaginable pain with my head. Uh, confusion because my brain wasn't working no memory i couldn't help my kids i couldn't teach them how to ride a bike i couldn't chase them around the playground i couldn't push on a swing set you start to feel like a failure as a dad you know so um it, it got to the point where i was just like i don't know if i can live another i was only 36 or 37 like i don't know if i can live another 80 years like or 60 years like this and I said, what's the point of me being back here if I can't do the things that I want to do to help people out of suffering if my brain can't work? And I started like screaming at God and cursing him. I'm like, you know, I know you're real. I've seen you. Where's all that love now? Like, why are you punishing me? I need a miracle. And, and I literally had a breakthrough, Brady. And, and it was when I began to remove the armor that I'd put all over my heart and all over my soul. And um, in order to go do those things, I had things happen to me in my childhood too that were hurt and painful and I covered those up and then I had things with bullies and I covered that up. It hurt too much because I was so scared all the time. Then I had things in my, you know, um, uh, leading into like moving away from home for the first time. The first time a girl breaks your heart, you just stop showing the world what you are and you start protecting at a certain point because you get smoked so many times you're like, fuck, like can't get a break here. And yeah. it's like at a certain point, like you're so armored up, Brady, that you can't heal. And it's not until the armor cracks or you start ripping the armor off to get back to the authentic Brady. I did a, I just finished a, a three-day workshop. I had seven people in here. I was training from all over the place. Reed Lowe, the former NHLer, he was here. I got an awesome – I could just share pictures with you guys. It was so fun. Yeah. And Losey, I've coached, uh, I've coached for two years now. Uh, life and business coached him. He's got a salon, he's got a beverage company, he's uh, working with the Blues alumni, Um, but he wants more training. And I, after the injuries, after the Mayo Clinic for three years, I was in hell, the Mayo Clinic said, sorry, Dave, there's nothing we can do. This is, you're just gonna be permanently disabled. And I'm like, what? Like, you're done with me? (laughs) Like, nothing's fixed yet. And I made a mission to do whatever it takes to explore to see if i could heal and if i couldn't heal then we just call it a day unfortunately and i didn't really i i didn't go and do anything crazy and buy a gun or do anything like that but i was like having this this logical conversation with myself that if this stuff doesn't work itself out or i don't see a miracle or god doesn't prove to me that if i didn't just didn't imagine that whole scenario then like i i'd rather be out of everyone's way, than be a burden is how I felt.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know the exact feelings, man. And like, so that's a thing, right? So like, there's a lot, like we've lost a lot of guys in the hockey community, um, former NHLers, but I've, what I've done, Dave is I've, um, I spent the last six months like really uncovering stories that guys that weren't in the NHL as well. And it's, uh, I'm building the list to put on the website and it's, it's actually really scary Um, uh, to, to know that so many guys felt like you did. And like I have, and I feel so lucky that I made it through. And I feel even more grateful that I've been able to connect with you because I just made a post. You saw me with my phone. This is the best podcast I've done. I've done close to 80. This is the, uh, like I've never been so in tune with a podcast and listening. Like I always listen and I, and they're all great podcasts. No disrespect to any of my guests. I've enjoyed every single one and we've had some unbelievable conversations, but on a personal level right now, I am a, like a, I am just like listening. And, um, I like, man, I just, I am so inspired to keep going and doing what I'm doing and get like you know, involved into what you're doing, this challenge. And I want to talk about that here in a sec, but there are a lot of guys that played hockey feeling the same way that you were feeling, whether it's for the same reasons or not. And they reach, I'm sure they do to you all the time too. reach out to you. I'm sure you hear stories all the time and, and everything. And it's guys like you, that can really make a difference here you know i'm doing my best i got i teamed up with darren mccarty he's one of my he's become one of my best friends and and chief ambassador for puck support but it's guys like you um that you know come out and you know you're sharing your experience man and what a powerful story holy shit and because i've gone through something similar like i'm just like okay like now i know even more than ever that i'm doing exactly what i need to do um, in this moment and this is exactly where I need to be and it came together at the exact right time so now like I've been clean for almost a year now coming up and I got like I've been out of jail a year I was in jail for two years and then a year three years of my life I was spent in jail Dave like honestly and uh I was like, same with you. I was down. I was like, man, I'm a burden to everybody. I'm a burden to society. I'm causing like, you know, I'm wasting money in the courts. Just everything. My kids, I hadn't seen. My my dad, I burned him for like a hundred grand, like no joke. And just did some horrible shit. So I was like, I'm just done. And I still even though I'm not using drugs, I still have days where I feel like that. So what is your, like, where do we go from here? What worked for you and where did you start? And then we can get into where you're at now, Dave.
0: Well, I was, yeah. Um, after the Mayo Clinic, uh I, 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 uh, I knew I had to do something else because uh, I wasn't going to accept that diagnosis. And um, so I started to travel the world and learn from the best in the world about everything. And at first I couldn't even be in the rooms cause they were so loud and the lights were bright and it was like really troubling. But uh, you know, my, my man, Tony, Tony Robbins. Um, oh yeah. I ended up following him around the world for two years in his platinum partnership group and learning everything I could from him. And then what, what I would do would be, I would go, Scott Humphries was Tony's brother-in-law and he's from Vancouver and he's a big hockey fan. So he loved me. So he's just like, hey, Tony uses this guy for some of his healing work. You should go try him out. So I would go and i just like freaking stroke checks to get close to these people that Tony was using because I knew that they had something special. If Tony's been in the business for 40 years and he's found them in India or Brazil or wherever, China, I'm gonna, if Tony's using them, I'm gonna try them out because Tony's smart. And, um, so, so I started to really learn from some of these incredible healers, monks, shaman. I did ayahuasca once in Brazil. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I, I'd already advanced myself enough with my meditation stuff that I was working with that I didn't need the ayahuasca, but it was nice. Like it was a good experience. Yeah, to try. Absolutely. Cause when people ask me about it, um, you know, I'd have a reference point. Um, you know, I have never used, uh, you know, I know some guys endorse like cannabis and stuff. I haven't really used that stuff. I don't know. I've never smoked. I've never yeah. tried it, but, um, and I've never used any oils in any real capacity yet. I'm, I'm trying to explore the CBD factor I it. of it. And I,
1: I can help you with that. We could talk a little bit more about that later, maybe off air. I can, I'm sure, you know, guys that are doing it too, but like, that's something that, and microdosing mushrooms. I don't know if you yeah not like, so that's but, a...
0: Yeah. But anyways, let, let me just finish. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, go, go I believe that that can help reset the system to some extent. Like I'm not just d- dis- disparaging it at all. I'm just saying that I found a natural way to do it. It took me okay. it took me years and traveling around the world and working with the best people in the world for them to like help me manipulate the energy into something different where I could actually receive. But the biggest thing for me was removing my armor and getting the armor off of me so that the love and light and healing could actually be able to start to penetrate and get to the purest version of my soul, which was this little five-year-old boy named David. That was like, I didn't like to fight and I just loved animals. I loved people. I didn't have any stressors and I never been beat up or picked on or abused or whatever. None of that had happened. So like I was a pure little soul. And then when I was doing this exercise, And I was looking for that pure soul, I couldn't find it. I was this gladiator, I had had money, I had everything on paper that looked good, but I wasn't really like happy or fulfilled and I was broken. And I thought, man, what if I just let this little guy lead the way, like totally vulnerable, totally exposed, totally naked. Somebody could crush me if they wanted to, but what I, and I thought I'd get made fun of for being so open and vulnerable and authentic. And you know what the truth is? the second that I embraced who my real soul was as a little boy and let him trusted him. Cause that's how God made me. He made me like that. The world messed me up. The social, uh, the rules about life and be this way and be this way and be a good boy and be a, don't do this and don't do that. It just ruined the the purity of this little soul. So I'm like, well, what if I just let him lead the way? And I thought I was going to be made fun of. I thought like people would, think I'm crazy or whatever. And the exact opposite happened, Brady. I felt like I was literally protected by light. People were drawn to it. They'd be like, what's he doing? Like, how's he so happy all the time? Like, how can we so relax all the time in the midst of chaos? And I truly believe that because I'm living the life that I was originally designed for and not this fake life that like, yeah, you know, and 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 I'm not discounting my time in the NHL. I'm so grateful for it and the armor that I learned to build up to be fearless. I could run through this wall right now and not feel a thing, but I couldn't feel anything else either. <laughs> I'd rather be able to feel everything when I want to feel it. And here's the problem: I, I went so high, I went so blissful. That's why I said I didn't need the ayahuasca. I was like connecting to organizing intelligence and God again, and and I was being able to communicate. But the crazy part was was I wasn't sharing it with anybody. I was kind of like learning it and new to it. And Tony called me out and he said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're like a monk in your cave. And I said, well, I'm still healing. And he goes, fuck that. He goes, get out there and help people. You don't think you could help somebody right now, Dave? And you're sitting on your ass trying to get like perfectly healed and get your logo right, get your LLC set up and get your coaching certificate and all this. He's like, no. He goes, there's thousands of people in this room that could use your coaching right now and you're screwing around because you're selfish And I'm the least selfish person ever, but he knew the button to press. He's like, you're selfish because you're not sharing this with other people. He goes, you need to share these miracles and these gifts with other people and be completely honest and be completely real about it because that's what people love about you. I said, done. That's when I became a coach that day.
1: Wow. So what day is that, Dave? How long ago? Oh,
0: gosh. Uh, 2014, maybe. Okay and and I started out helping pro athletes I was working with some NHL guys uh, minds like with mindset stuff but the problem was um, I was really great at it but they didn't need any of the other stuff I love the whole package I love coaching about health I love coaching about wellness I love coaching about spirituality like some of these NHL guys are like hey dude just make me play better <laughs> that's all I want and that's great and it pays the bills but it, it wasn't my passion
1: until they retire
0: yes. Amen. Before they retire. Yeah. Amen. And and trust me, I've reached out to the NHLPA. I've told them, hey, guys, I got a challenge going on. It's free. Just bring people out. I think they've sent one guy over, and there's hundreds of guys in the program. I'm like, every fucking guy should be in this thing. Part of my language, by the way. No, no mm-hmm. you're good. You're good. Fuck, say whatever you want, bud. No, but I'll, I, here's the thing is I'll do one apology, and then I'll explain why I do it, okay? When I'm in flow, when I'm downloading information, I don't want to get in the way by being politically correct. Okay. Like if it's truth and you're supposed to hear it, I just want it to flow and I don't want to worry about the language that comes out of my mouth. So, you know, sometimes that language will actually fire you up a little bit and to to get you like leaning in and listening a little bit more because it's like not normal. And it's not the same bland, boring crap that you hear from everybody else. I'm not like everybody else. I don't claim to be. And if I'm not your style, that's okay. You can go somewhere else. It's fine. We're not meant to work together, but trust me, you want results and you want to go deep and you want like the truth in your face. Like <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> I'll tell it to your face. And you know, I had some, I was with these five amazing, seven amazing people this weekend doing this thing in my house and I brought them to my house cause I can't do it in public. Yeah. Losey amazing guy, biggest hearted soul guy ever. And you know what? He's been through the ringer and back and he's freaking getting it dialed in. He's managing three businesses basically. And I was just giving him a little help and support on that. And he he's in love with it. He goes, what you're doing is so amazing. He's like, thank you for letting me be a part of it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you lit up the room the whole time you're here. It's amazing, man. I'm, uh,
1: I'm, I'm like, so take, I'm just blown away. So I want to know how, like, cause I know I've read, I didn't do my research. I do my research, but people listening, uh, watching right now uh, tell them how they can get involved and what it's going to entail because I know it starts tomorrow.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, let me just see if I got a link or anything here that I could just drop in the chat or the comments. Let me see. Well, I, yeah, I can
1: get the link going. If you want to talk, I can get the link. But if you want to talk a little bit uh, about what it's going to entail, uh, what people can expect, um, because, listen, I, I know anybody watching. Like, I actually, you saw me on my phone. Um, that was because I needed to make a post on Facebook, say, hey, this you you need to be watching this right now. Like, now get on here. Best podcast I've ever done right now. and. Um, no, I'm, I'm not even just saying that. I think you could tell, like, anybody that's watched my podcast, I think they're going to be like, holy shit, you were really engaged in that one. Um, because I am. Uh, yeah. But I'm gonna, I'll, I'll have the link and everything in the description. After all that, I'm going to make a post. I'm going to clip out these. I'm going to take the time to clip parts of this podcast and make a little video. And I'm going to, like, really try to get people to do this. Um, because, man, like, I can just see, like if you're watching this right now and you don't want to take part in this challenge, like the people you've worked with, the time that you've put in your personal experiences, Dave um, coming through. And this is a little backstory about my podcast name, hockey to hell and back. Like you brought it up. So it was actually originally called hockey to heroin, the road to recovery. Cause I was, a I, remember that. I
0: remember that. Yeah.
1: So I actually was, you know, a couple people are like, Hey, maybe change the name. But I was like, no, no, I'm not changing the name. That's my name. And blah, blah, blah. Well, my personal coach, Pete Fry, he's the goalie mindset guy. He's he's, um, uh, he just, he always gets me fired up, Pete. He actually came up with the name hockey to hell and back. And he said, you know, every single hockey player in most people, um, can relate to being in some sort of form of hell and back, but you, my friend are, uh, you're like the pro like this is exactly why this is the, why it's called a podcast and look at your book title. I'm sorry if it sort of coincides, but it's not, it doesn't the same. It's like just to me, it's like, it's like divine like intervention or whatever you want to call it. Um, Sorry, I'm going to get the link. I'm just so into this conversation with people, but uh, what's it going to entail? How long is it, Dave? And what can people expect?
0: Yeah, man. So it's super easy. Uh, You know, I don't want to, I guess. I don't want to date the podcast, but uh, if, if if it's just us right now, it's January 11th. It's tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Pacific. We're going live. And usually it's an hour, hour and a half. Uh, and then we shut it down and we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday. It's okay. totally free. I don't really hold anything back. If I have a one-on-one coaching call, it's a, uh, you make guys make it 10 million a year and I'm coaching him, I'm coaching him basically the same fundamentals that I'm going to coach you guys. And the thing is, I know there's people on this challenge that will never buy a Dave Scattered program or do any of my stuff ever. And I'm so grateful. Like, I'm so happy that they're tuning in because it'll save their life. It'll help them. I get these texts. I get these emails every day. Oh my God, I wanted to buy your thing. I couldn't afford it. It was like so many, like what, it was the biggest change in my life. I'm just so proud. I'm hanging out, you know, like stopping drugs, stopping addictions, um, like finding happiness, Uh, relationships, um, health and wellness. So basically over each day, I coach on sort of a different topic. And we go like, um, I've got some really cool downloads and things that like I've like visualized and seen that we give away, um, including this thing called the champions map, which is this diagram that I totally saw in one of my meditations. I do really deep meditation work. Um, And those are gifts that were given to me and I'm just supposed to share with people. I had literally coached on it with our, with our group today, that exact thing. And people are like, Holy smokes. Like, um, so, uh, what does it entail? And here's the deal. If you miss one or if it's, if you're trying to get on the lives and for some reason you miss one, we've got a hub over the course of the two weeks that it's spread out over. So you can go back and watch the videos again. You can make more notes. You can, if you miss a show, you can go back and watch it. So you're going to have two weeks to basically get through seven episodes or seven trainings and um you know this year jeremy Ronix like found out uh what i'm doing and i said jr i said i filmed some documentary stuff i was doing with him and i go would you mind sharing any of those stories with my guys on the challenge or my girls on the challenge and he said no absolutely what do you want and i said well what do you want to do and he i told him the whole premise of the challenge he goes you got me for like one session like whatever you want and i said cool, like you'll talk for like an hour. He goes, I'll talk for two hours if you want me to talk for two hours. And, you know, he's got a fire in him. And I think he's he's got a little bit misunderstood from um, just whatever, like yeah. people that don't know him. They just don't yeah. know him. And he has got one of the biggest hearts you'll ever see in your life. I-
1: I've listen, before to sorry to cut you off. Quick story about Jeremy Rooney, my one of my best friends growing up, Ned LeCaswick, drafted by the LA Kings, um, from my hometown. He's been on the show. He told me when he came back from LA's camp when JR was there, he said JR was the coolest guy he's ever met in his entire life in the dressing room, dancing, the music, the whole nines. Um, just an all around great guy. So that's I just wanted to share that plug plug Ned and JR in there, but yeah, man, that's yeah. so he's gonna is is jr taking part in is that what he's is that what you're saying right now
0: yeah yeah he'll be on there um i can't tell you which episode but he'll be he'll be coaching with me on one of the episodes that's that's awesome that's come on come on so you know uh i had some pretty cool people on the last year too losey came on and spoke a little bit because we've been working together i had a couple actor uh an actress that came on last time um we got some cool people that have helped and all I do is really just like <laughs> reinforce that what we're doing is, is really powerful and it works. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that I'm getting to be the messenger and I'm in the middle of it. A lot of this stuff isn't mine. It's things that are flowing through me. Uh, as you know, I, when I talk, it's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of feeling what's going on in the field and it's just relaying through me and it's almost speaking directly to you, um, the listener. So, yeah, I mean, we got three thousand registered as of tonight. Uh, who knows how many more in the next twenty-four hours? But um, you know, it's gonna be a party. It's gonna be fun.
1: Well, you're gonna have one more register right now because I'm gonna be doing it. I, I, I already kind. Of, I, th- I think I might have already registered, but I don't think. Uh, I don't know if hundred percent if I did because I was just waiting to talk to you. But I'm no. There's no question that I'm gonna do this, and I'm really hoping my girlfriend Taylor can take part in this because I yeah. think. Because I think she could really, um, you know, she's obviously dealing with some stuff of her own. And and this is, uh, again, this isn't just, like, this is a hockey-based podcast, but this challenge is for everybody. Like, let's mm-hmm. go, guys. Like, mm-hmm. how many people right now watching um, are, obviously, there's a lot going on in the world with COVID. Mental health is, is running rampant. Addiction is running rampant. People um, are struggling financially, emotionally, everything. Why wouldn't you take... Part in this challenge there's nothing else going on what do you have to lose the only thing like i feel this is the way i feel dave for people that know about this and don't take part in this like you're you're shortchanging yourself if you oh. if you've never tried something like this take the take the what what is it a few hours like this is well ch- i i've done sort of similar stuff like this but never where like I've tried it in the past, but my mindset has never been where it's at today. You know what I mean? So I would, it was sort of like, I would go do it and I'd get inspired for a day, but then nothing else outside of that had changed. But here's the thing, people that come into this challenge, if whether, uh, if you're watching on my show, you're feel free message me, Um, I'm going to be doing it. Uh, I'm going to be talking about it uh, on. So I would love it if people listening right now, watching right now, um, you know, for, for me personally, do it with me. Do if you're a fan of mine, do it with me. Let's talk about it. Let's share our experiences. And Dave, I would love to bring you back on after the challenge is over so that I can actually tell you my personal experience uh, and how it, you know, affected my life. I'm so excited. And I'll tell you what, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to do, one of these. Okay. For a long time, I've actually seen stuff, you know, similar stuff, but you know, nothing that it was like, Oh, maybe that's cool. Maybe I'll do that, but I've never done it. But now it's like, let me, I'm let me. blocking out. You tell me when the times are, I'm blocking everything out. It doesn't matter. Do you want to know why I'm blocking it out? Because where I'm at right now, Dave, in my life, I came from here and now I'm up here, but I'm sort of just like, what am I going to do to get, here and and to get my mind up here so that i can get pushed through those those barriers and i'm already telling man you just have a way and and like you said earlier people said like you know you got something going you do you have that charisma that there's there's something there man like you're a real genuine person and i think like you said and i say it about myself too is like i'm not like everybody else and when i say i'm not like everybody else i'm usually referring to everybody else in the hockey community, uh, hockey player wise. And, and because I've sort of same with you, five-year-old Brady, that's that's what I want to get back to, you know, because at five years old, I'm sexually abused. And then all of a sudden, boom, armor starts going on, right? Armor starts going on. You start hiding things. I start hearing slanders at school about gay and this and that, and see these kids that weren't even homosexual, and if they were, it wouldn't matter anyways. I have friends and and people on the podcast who are, but back then, I didn't understand that. So words on the playground, that was the first thing that I was just like, I can never let anybody tell that, you know, a man says me. And I'll be honest, Dave, I, I addressed it, but I have not done anything. I've done some, a little bit of trauma counseling over the last little bit, but through the ministry where it's like, you have four sessions, and when your four sessions are done, See you later. Um, so that's we'll what get,
0: happened. We'll get more done. We'll get more done in seven days than most people do in years. I believe it. I believe it, man. Okay, so I
1: think I think that's probably a, a pretty good place to end it, unless there's anything else you want to say, Dave. We've been going for over an hour. Now that I know, like we have to do a part two. We have to do a part two.
0: I want to do a part two. Listen, I'll do a part two, but you gotta do all seven sessions. And here's the deal. You play full out. Everybody on this call, we're going to all agree that we're going to play full out. And we're going to like give it everything we got. We're going to tell our truths. We're going to like divorce those old stories. We're going to move from those other things that are holding us back. We're, they're just going to be gone. We're going to be pulled to the future. I wrote this quote. I heard this quote for one of my clients while I was listening to this other training. And it was so crazy. It, it said, you're about to be, instead of being liberated from something, you're going to be liberated to something. Okay, I love it. I love that. I love it. A lot. And what if this challenge happens to be the bridge for all of you out there? If you're ready to leave this shit behind and move on and get on with like some more positive energy people, higher level group, uh, we're raising the vibration of consciousness. Can you imagine three thousand of us on fire tomorrow? It's gonna be ridiculous. So what I want you guys to do is literally just give yourselves this gift because if it's not if it's not today, then when it's gonna when is it gonna be?
1: No shit. Like, Right. It's
0: not. It doesn't cost you any money, so that excuse is gone. I took that away from everybody. So, like, literally, if you want to make excuses about your life and why it's this way or that way or not the other way, that's on you. That's not on me. That's not on Brady. We're, we're going to do what we're saying we're going to do, and if you want to join us, we'd love to have you, and I will high-five you. I will celebrate you. I will shot call you out, everyone that's listening on this podcast, when we come on for round two. Radio, I have a list for me. I'm like, hey, Jim, Frank, Joe, Sally, Susie, thank you for joining me on my thing. We'd love to hear.
1: I love it. Hey, I want to, before we go, we're not in a rush here by any means. I, it's my show, my network, our network. I, We could talk all day. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, to be honest, Dave, the reason why I kind of want to go is because I want to start clipping parts of this podcast. I want to get on a live and start blasting it on my social media because people need to hear this. Um, I was, I was excited before the podcast, Dave, like I was, but my level of excitement went from like here to here. You talk about Tony Robbins. I, uh, I, I love Tony Robbins, you know, talking about getting in that peak state. Nobody in the last year has brought me up to the level of like getting me fired up like this. Um, as much as you have. And that's no lie. I don't pull any punches. I don't fucking lie. I don't need to lie. I don't need to fucking lie to anybody anymore. I can't even lie to anybody. If you know, I would still sit. I wouldn't sit here and say, "No, Dave, I'm not excited." I would still say, "Hey, you know, yeah, it looks good or whatever." I would, say, but I'm legit. Like, let's go. Like, people need no. to. People need to f- fucking do this. Like, this. No. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Like, it, like you said, if not now. Then when? So I want to get to a couple. Let's see if people have any questions out there before you go. Um, We'll we'll bring them in in the comments. I know there's a couple comments to get to, but I just want to open it up to a couple questions. If anybody... Oh, we got this David Walter Carlson just registered. All right, David. Thanks, buddy. There we go. Um, We'll hold him to that. I'm in. So uh, we got another one. I'm in. Rosalie's in. And Dave, of course, says excellent. We're in. So, uh, if anybody has any questions, there's more comments, but some of them don't come through all the time. Oh, I got a question for you. Here we go. From David Carlson: How do people discover their authentic selves? What's your best advice? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys an answer. You want to fuck? Join the challenge for fuck's sakes! You want to find your authentic self, and Dave? What you, what's your suggestion?
0: Um, well, a lot of it has to do with. Um... You know, finding that point in time when when you were free, when yeah. you're free to think your own thoughts, when you're free to play with your friends and your animals, and you hadn't um been trained yet by society on what's right or wrong or what's good or bad, and you just were. You just were you. You were the way that God made you and the way that God created you, and he placed you on this earth to play and have a good time. He didn't place us on this earth to go around stressed out. Or to go around angry, that wasn't how we were designed. So who did that, and how did that happen? That's not us. That's not even reality. Somewhere along the line, there got to be some programming in our hard drive that just was like a virus or something. Yeah. One of the things we do is we create a new operating system. So we've got this older operating system that got a bunch of viruses in it. It's like we literally bring in a new laptop, we put in a new software. That's Mac, whatever, ten point ten, whatever it is. <laughs> And it's fresh and it's clean. It's got all this new space and all this new bandwidth where you can download everything that I'm gonna be teaching you over the next few days into this new system. So this is a clean system. It's not even attached to the old system. It's a different system. So we get rid of that old operating system and we create a new operating system. And the new operating system is so precisely designed to be in alignment with your authentic self that it's easy. It's just like, hey, this is who I am. I can sit up here. I can cry. I can laugh. I can curse. I can not. And it's just who I am. What you're seeing it was what you're getting. If you met me in real life, or if you met me on the screen, it's the same dude. And it's easy to keep that thing straight. When you start lying and pretending you're this way for this person, or wearing this mask for this man, or the, or acting in this way for this woman, and then you try to remember, like, hey, like, no, just dude the most beautiful thing you can ever do is be yourself. And we're all made unique for a different reason. Imagine how boring it would be if we're all identical. It would be so boring. The things that separate us and sometimes make us think that we're different than everybody are actually the the biggest blessings that we can have because there are special superhuman powers. We're We're all built differently. Embrace the shit out of that and love it and stop being so hard on ourselves. You would never be friends with a voice that talks to you in your head. Way to go, Brady. Way to go, Dave. What's wrong with you? Yeah. You never be friends with somebody that talks like that. So why would we let ourselves talk to ourselves that way? That's
1: such a great point. I've never ever like I've never even thought of that. That's I know. That's my great coach. Right out of your life, you'd be like, "Fuck right off!" Like I don't, I have no time for you. But then you're you're doing it to yourself. I I man, I do it all the time. I call myself stupid all the time out loud, but more so in my head because of my memory and stuff. That's this negative self talk, which is. Like positive self-talk is so powerful, but the second you start bringing that negative, it, it's like, it's like heaven and hell, right? Like, it's just, it's that, that difference of finding, uh, finding that balance. But like, man, I honestly, Dave, I'm actually so excited because i've been waiting years and years and years to meet um someone that can inspire me and guide me the way that you're that i know you're going to i know it i i can feel it i feel it in my heart dave like i feel it in my heart man and i'm i don't know how many people have told you that i'm sure i'm not the first and i know i'm not going to be the last um i am so 7 7 a.m tomorrow pacific time yep 10 a.m eastern nobody message me don't call me Don't bother me tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm leaving my phone outside in the snow for all I care because I'm tuning out but tuning in uh, to this challenge. And, guys, uh, hold on. We got uh, I Will Play Full Out 100 Breakthrough. Dave Carlson said, hey, Brady, I'm a pretty balanced guy. LOL. That's a little joke. David's a good friend of mine out in uh, St. Albert. I think David, right? Here runs a skate shop out there. I always it's Edmonton or St. Albert. I'm not too good at the ge- geographical locations, but listen, I really hope. So now listen, you guys, before we go, these, these people here, um, oh, I got to sign up. Derek Smout. Derek, thanks for joining. I've never seen you on the broadcast, so thanks for tuning in. I hope you, uh, if you're just joining the broadcast and you're just popping in, do yourself a favor when it ends, go back about. Well, listen to the whole thing, but the most important stuff probably started about half an hour ago. Um, that's where I'm. Just I'm like I feel like I'm floating right now, man. It's weird. Um, oh, Derek! Oh, Derek! I'm the producer of the final shot. Podcast and Brady always kills it. And I'm loving this show. Energy is intense. I agree. Shout out to Derek. Thanks. To, uh, hello to Tanner Wilshaw, the host of the show. I was just on it. Uh, sorry, Derek. I didn't know. Uh, I hope. Oh, Spruce Grove. Spruce Grove. Sorry, David. My bad. Um, anyways, listen, I wanted to say before I go off on my tangents, as I often do, whoever here, we got David and Rosalie, um, rock star testimony. I don't know. Uh, you can. I have that tattooed on my back, by the way, just to let whoever rockstar testimony is, uh, 18 years old up partying all night, not the greatest decision, but Hey, we get through it. Um, whoever said that they registered right here, David, Rosalie rockstar testimony, um, De- uh, Derek smote. I'm going to be on you guys. If I'm doing it, like I'm doing it for myself. Like you guys don't want to, that's fine. Uh, i feel sorry for you, honestly, if you don't. Like like we said, why wouldn't you? Um, But if you are agreeing to do it now, I want you to keep your word. And because I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it with uh, some people I know, and I want to see the progression. And I'm going to encourage all of you, and I know Dave will too, to continue on after. And look at this, guys, as an investment. An investment in yourself. And it doesn't cost a thing. It costs you a little bit of time, but think about, think about the possibilities. It's, I'm a, you, oh man, I I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I just, I want to just like go up and scoop people up and bring them and put them in front of me and be like, Hey, Hey, Hey.
0: Listen, I'll let you get off of there and you can do your thing. And I will be excited to welcome you and all your people into my challenge with open arms and, Once you get into, Hey Brady, you want to see some awesome stuff? Go into our Facebook group. We got over 3000 people in there now or something like that. And they are the most supportive group you'll ever find online. And you need to register. When you go to register and sign up, it'll lead you to the Facebook group on the thank you page. And just having that support group of awesome people that are super positive. We don't, we don't have any negativity in that group. It's badass. And, uh, these are a lot of these people have already done this challenge and they're doing it for the third or fourth time. It's like a horse to heart connection. This is the fourth time in the challenge. So excited to meet everybody. These people have done this four times, guys. You think they want to sit through seven days of four times because it sucks? Oh. No. And I love these people. I love them like my family. I can I know some of these people on this uh on these comments, and they're my family. So
1: yeah, there it is. And uh I have a feeling I'm gonna be uh saying something similar, uh, the same with horse to Heart Connections, I'll be going, come on, guys, this is my fourth time down the road or whatever. Um, listen, Dave, I'm a I'm a huge believer in what you're doing and there's a lot of people, like, before you go, there's a lot of people that try to, you know, out there trying to do the life coaching thing. Listen, and there's a lot of people that do a great job and I'm not knocking anybody, but you've got my attention, sir. Um, you're speaking in my heart and to me, uh, it's that's a hard thing to do to break through to my heart and get me get me going. So I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for taking the time uh, to share some stories. But more importantly, um, offer this challenge to everybody. I'm so grateful that I'm able to take part in it. And I hope everybody watching uh, certainly does too, because it's a gift. It's a, it's a serious gift. So thank you, Dave.
0: Hey, buddy. Listen, thank you. And keep up the good work. I think you're doing good things. I'm proud of you. Thanks.
1: Thanks, man. We'll uh, we'll chat here in uh I don't know, I'll shoot you a message tomorrow or something later on in the evening, let you know how my first day goes.
0: All right, brother. Got okay, talk, talk soon.
1: Holy shit. You want to talk about a good podcast? I am fucking fired up right now. Can't wait to do this, guys. I've been waiting for a long, long time to take part in something like this. And nothing just felt quite right I guess until now so things are things are happening in my life like Dave talked about the universe is putting people in my life um, that have pushed me on the path that I need to be on and I'm so grateful to all of you Um. I don't want to cry, so maybe I should just stop talking, but let's see if I can uh, upload a video quick here and and just share something with you guys in case you haven't seen it on my social media because this did make me cry earlier today. And um, I'm okay with that, you know what I mean? It's, It's, I'm okay with being an emotional guy today, but there's a lot of hard moments there's a lot of hard moments in my day. I don't ever think about going back to heroin or fentanyl uh, or anything like that. And I'm glad Dave said that what he did too about talking about this is me when I talk I'm just allowing things to come through the way that they do and I'm the same way and oftentimes I say things that maybe come out blunt or sometimes ignorant uh, uneducated at times but that's me, guys. And I'm, I too am authentic. If you meet me in person, I'm pretty much the same guy. Um, the only difference is off camera, sometimes I'm a little bit more down. And I'm hoping, actually, I'm very confident that after I do this workshop, this challenge, that that's all gonna change. And it's really gonna push me um, to be the absolute best version of myself. And what excites me is that I feel that it's going to help me do what I'm doing with puck support, without question, without question. You want to talk about a puck support warrior? Dave Scatcherd's the epitome of a puck support warrior. This guy's a natural-born leader. And it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I'm just excited. Uh, there's no other word for it. I want to share this video quickly, guys, with you before. If it's, oh, it's not letting me upload it, so I can't even do it. Maybe I could share my screen. I'll just post it on my Facebook. You don't need to watch it. Um, It does have close to 80,000 views on TikTok right now, and I'm getting a lot of positive response comments. I got one negative comment. Hey, there's always going to be haters, and you want the guy's name was. Troll. Of course it was. I looked at it. The guy's name is Troll. Can't even use his real name. So it's like, you want to chirp me, bud? Chirp me with your real name. Step up. You got something to say to me, say it. I don't really care. I put all my shit out there. Well, not all, but mm, I would say 75%. But I do put it all out there to like people like Susan and Taylor and uh people that are really close to me. I do tell them the crazy stories. Um, but I'm saving those for my book, guys. Uh, so my book will be a uh, no holds bar. Um, kind of scary. I-, I wonder if people are gonna look at me a little differently because I was an absolute train wreck. Um, there's no other word for it. I was out committing crimes. I was out being violent. Um, I was a lost soul. But what Dave Scatchard said today was, You know, you gotta go through hell to get to where you can understand what the people you need to help are going through. Well, he just reaffirmed exactly what I'm doing and why, and why I went through everything that I did. I kinda knew it, but hearing it in that sort of transcript or whatever you wanna call it, it's pretty awesome. So. Thank you guys for watching. Um, Hello to everybody on the West Coast. Dad, mom, hell, I'll give a shout out to my sister, Brittany. That's how good I'm feeling. That's how good I'm feeling. What's up, sis? We don't talk anymore. I'm extending an olive branch to you. Let's squash the beef. I love you deep down. What did Dave Scatcher do to me? Holy shit. Um, Seriously though, it's time for me to start Mending all the relationships in my life, um, Brittany. If you see this, and let me let me say this because my sister is Brittany, my ex is Brittany, and my stepsister is Brittany. So, Brittany Leavold, my sister. If you watch this, come on. Enough's enough. We went through some shit, but we're we're adults now. We both have kids. I love you. I love your kids. I love Brad. I think our family would really like to see us get along again. So if you're willing, I'm willing. I didn't think I was ever going to say that again, to be honest. Um, I don't even know where that came from. Anyways, Brooklyn and Brody, I love you so much. Um, very special. Oh, that's always before I go. Hey, before I go, one more thing. One more thing, guys. Before I go, Um, Dave Zarn. Dave Zarn is the athletic therapist for the Vancouver Canucks. And he was the athletic therapist for the Victoria Salmon Kings when I was there. He's since moved on to the Canucks and I ran into him. When I was homeless on Hastings outside of Rogers Arena, there's a Costco. Anybody in Vancouver, you know the Costco is right next to the Rogers Arena where the Vancouver Canucks play, which is three blocks from Hastings, where I was homeless. Check it out if you're watching this. When you're when I'm done, Google Hastings in Vancouver. I swear to God, it'll blow your mind. I was down there for nine months. Well, anyways, for whatever reason, I was over by Costco, probably going on the Sky Train, and I ran into Dave Zarn, my old trainer. He was now working for the Canucks. This is back in 2016 and he started crying he's like brady like you got to get your life together and whatever happened and dave actually messaged me this morning i found out that my kids favorite players are bo horvat brody tj miller brooklyn well he's gone ahead and got something signed for both of them so thank you dave's arm i haven't spoken to my kids on the phone i've quickly talked to brody but uh, that got shut down real quick. I don't need to get into it, but thank you, Dave. I don't like to, you know, pull in favors or anything like that, but I know you didn't have to do that, and that certainly means a lot to me. And everybody that stepped up and supported me in any sort of fashion, I honestly, I, I don't say it lightly. I, I, I can't say it enough. Thank you, and thank you to the big man upstairs, or the big woman, or the whatever it is up there watching over me and you if you let if you let the universe in if you want to call it God or the universe whatever makes you feel comfortable start making the right decisions you start hanging out with the right people feeding your mind the right information and just for me sometimes stopping and thinking about what I'm really doing and how it's gonna affect the people around me it's pretty powerful I am a I'm living proof I've never really said this because it's like, oh, I don't really care that, I don't really give myself credit for going through what I've gone through because it doesn't feel like it was me that did anything. It, was, it feels like there's another force guiding me. So, but I am, I'm living proof that no matter where you are, no matter where you are right now, if you're an addiction, mental health, I've been to the psych ward five times. Jail, three years, homelessness, close to a year on Hastings and in Surrey back and forth. I always just say Hastings because that's where I spent the majority of the time, but Surrey was even worse. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you what, it was horrible. But never give up on yourself. Never ever give up on yourself. Do yourself the favor, sign up for the Dave Scatcherd challenge. I'm going to post it in the description i'm going to be blasting it all over my social media dave thank you thank you for not giving up on yourself and i'm pretty confident you're sort of in the same place i am as you're a little bit maybe maybe not a little bit quite a bit ahead of me but you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing you were never really supposed to be Dave Scatcherd, the hockey player. In my opinion, I think hockey is just the vehicle that got you to where you needed to go. And it's uh, it's a privilege to have had this conversation with you. And thank you for offering this amazing gift to myself, to my family members if they want it, and to all of you watching. If you're listening this, listening to this after the fact. Reach out, find a way you can do the next challenge, whatever the case is, because I'm going to be talking a lot about this journey. I'm excited. I'm super, super excited, (laughs) pumped. So that's it. Big things for puck support. Big things for puck support. We are organized. New websites rocking, still needs a little tweaks couple things added of course the in memoriam page which is my baby that's my my biggest focus on as far as puck support like outside of helping people is making sure that we remember every single man woman boy and girl in the hockey community that that we've lost to mental health addiction suicide those kinds of things and it. At first it was discouraging because I just kept uncovering one after the other, after the other, until I realized that I can't sit in here and bring anybody back. I wish I could, I wish I could um, quickly. This is the Matthew Lazinski Memorial plaque. You guys have seen this before. In memory of Matthew Lazinski, this is why this is why we do what we do. Died of an overdose. This should have been me. It could have been me. I was brought back to life on numerous occasions by the grace of God, whatever you want to call it. But I'm so grateful that I'm here and I would do anything to bring back Maddie, bring back Mitch, all the guys. But I've accepted that I can't, but what I can do, what we can do together is do our very best to make sure that that never happens again. To know that these guys, these girls are never alone and that there's always, always hope. Thank you guys for watching on the Puck Support Podcast Network. Look for it uh, on the audio, too. I'm going to get that rocking and and rolling. If you have a podcast, you want to join the network, send us an email, team at pucksupport.com. If you're struggling, email our executive director of mental health and addiction, Sandra Murray, who's become a great friend of mine. She's an amazing lady, and she's also the president of Puck Support USA. (laughs) And thank you to Mallory for all your hard work. Now it's time for me to shut up, go eat dinner, and get to work on getting as many people involved in this challenge because I want to do this together, guys. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. And Taylor, if you're watching, I hope you do it too. I know you got the kids, so it's going to be challenging, but maybe we can... I could record it and we can do it together after. I have no idea. But if you're watching this, please join tomorrow, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you guys there. And remember, have a great day slash night if you so choose.